Well, this evening we were singing songs about giving glory to God. As Paul ends the book of Galatians, that's one of his topics he picks up here. So we're over in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 11. He starts this off with, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now, there are some people who want to teach that Paul had poor eyesight. That's why he's talking about this. I don't know about you, but I know people with perfectly good eyesight that use large letters when they're trying to emphasize something. And, of course, uh, these people who want to prove that Paul had the eye disease and stuff, they just uh, grasp at all sorts of stuff. But I think this is only trying to show that Paul is, has written larger letters here than usual to try and get this emphasized to them and trying to, to put this over to them to, to understand this is important. And he wrote it with his own hand. A lot of times Paul would dictate his letters. and Different people would, would write them down for him. But the, he's writing this with his own. He's writing this down himself. It's not that Paul couldn't write. But you know, I guess some people like to dictate. I don't know. I just never got into dictation. I, I'd rather be down there writing the thing myself. And I don't know. It's just the thought process. For some people it's a better for their thought processes to dictate to somebody. And I guess whatever it is that you get used to. But for this one, Paul is not dictating it. He is writing it down with his own hand. No computer, no email, no word processor, nothing like that. He just got a paper, whatever they're using for a pen. He goes on and says, as, uh, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. As many as desire... Just because people have a desire to do something doesn't mean it's a good one. He says, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. Well, we were know right there that's not good. There is no good showing in the flesh. But he's, there are people out there that want to make a good showing in the flesh. They want to give the appearance that they've done good things. That they're doing okay. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. Now, our desires... Not just ours, but the desires of other people. They reveal what we value. The things that we desire are based on the things that we value. Some people, you know, you go out there and you talk to them, and they desire diamonds and gems and things like that. Well, that's what they value. They value the. Some people put no value in those things at all, and they don't desire them. I'm not saying it's bad to have those those kind of desires or anything like that. It's just that you'll put you you have a desire for the things that you value. We had Thanksgiving. How many of you had a desire for turkey? <laughs> Some of us had a desire for ham. Some of us had a desire for uh, pumpkin pie. But you see, it's, it, you have a desire for it if you see it as valuable, if you see it as worthwhile, if you see it as good. It just depends on what it is that you that you that you desire that you want out of the thing. Some people have a desire for more, greater desire for cars than others. And they would put a greater value. Well, they're talking about cars. They desire a car. They talk about the car they want to get. And other people, I just want something to drive. I just want to get in, get there, and get out. And they don't have a whole lot of desire on the car. What you desire exposes your values. He says here, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh. They want to make a good show. This is their values. Their value is that in the flesh, I want people to see I'm doing a good job. I want people to validate what it is that I'm doing. Our desires reveal what we value. As we know, there are good desires and there are bad ones. 
make sure that you have the good desires in there. They're the based on the, the values of the word. They want to make a good showing. They want to show people, hey, look at me. Look at what I've done. Now, as soon as you do this, you're not, you're not saying, look at what God has done. You're saying, look at what I have done. But these are people doing things in the church. These are people doing things with believers. So they're doing spiritual things, so supposedly. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they would compel you to be circumcised. They would compel you to do something that they're saying is spiritual. This is where their values are. You've got to find out where, what a person values before you can determine whether it is that their desire is a good thing. Some people don't value the word. There are people in the church who have very little value for the word. Not this church. We're just talking other places. I know folks in this church value the word. But you go into some churches and the word's never talked about. The word's not mentioned. You might even not be able to find a Bible in the, in the place. There are churches out there like that. There are some churches that, uh, I, I mean, we were going to school, people used to say, you come better prepared to church if you brought a newspaper than if you brought a Bible. And there are churches that are sometimes like that. Some churches never opened the Bible, never talked about the Bible, but they're a church. They're worshiping God. But they never opened the Bible. Now, don't, you know, it's, it's, it's not shocking. I know I've been in churches. I've visited churches. There are times we get to go visit churches along the years, and, and I've been in churches never one time that they opened the Bible. I've listened to churches on podcasts and thinking this ought to be good. We never one time had to open the Bible. That's not good. Well, if, if you value the Word, then you're always bringing the Word in. It depends on what you value. Make sure when people are going to try and put their desires on you, find out what is it that you consider to be valuable. Do you consider prayer to be valuable? Do you pray according to the Word or do you beg God? Do you consider worship to be valuable? Some people see worship as this. no value at all. No value at all. Now, some people, <clears throat> Brother Hagen, he gave the impression that worship didn't have a whole lot of value to some people. I knew better just in, in seeing how the things was, was going on. But sometimes he would talk about it in some of our classes. He would say, he said, you know, when they come into the service, after they got through the preliminaries. <laughs> He would talk about it like that. And I knew what he was talking about. He was talking about the worship. But, of course, some places he would go to, it was just preliminaries. They weren't really worshiping God or doing anything. He, he liked a service where there was real good worship of, of God. And if you ever been down to one of the Winter Bible seminars and some of the things that they did, you saw the emphasis they put on worship. It was a strong emphasis. It was a good emphasis. But not all places. Some, some places just sing songs. Some places just, they, they do other stuff. They're not worshiping God. Depends on what you value. That'll tell you your desires. So he says here again, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they would compel you to be circumcised. They would compel you to be... The word here, compel, means to necessitate, compel, or constrain. There are those who would make what has no benefit, no value at all, seem to be of the utmost necessity. It has no value at all, but that you've got to have it. You know, infomercials are great with this. You know, the, the guy who used to advertise OxyClean. I mean, come on. Could you, how in the world did you ever do wash without OxyClean before? You, you have to wonder. I've done wash with OxyClean. I don't see its value. I've tried it. I, I, I did it just like it was on the commercial, and it didn't help. 
it came out the same way as it was before. I tried the thing with the, with the spot in the carpet and squirting the stuff in. I squirted it. It didn't go away like it did on the commercial. It didn't quite have the value to me that it had to him. But it was a necessity. Don't you dare do another load of laundry without putting this stuff in. Because, you know, you saw all that green, that brown, gunky stuff that was in there. And they dumped that OxyClean in and the whole thing just whitens up. Man, that's got to help. Right? They're, they're trying to sell you on the necessity of it. But in, in overall, it has no value at all. It has nothing, nothing good at all. You know, some people try and sell me on the value of vegetables. They tried to do that on Thanksgiving. There was not a single vegetable on my plate on Thanksgiving. Not a single one. None. There was meat. There was potatoes. There was gravy. And there was bread. That's it. That's all a man needs. I don't know why anybody needs anything else. That was all that I needed. There, there were vegetables on the table. They did not touch my plate. I made sure. I was, I was ribbed about it. I was told of the healthful benefits and so forth and all the different things. I'm the healthiest person at that table. There's nothing they're going to talk to me about. Well, would you tell me that those vegetables have any value? I got more energy. I sleep less. I do more. I get done more stuff than most of the people at that table. And I don't eat vegetables hardly at all. I do eat them some. Once or twice a week, we go out there and we get some of those things. But see, they're going to try and sell you on the value on something. Don't let them do it. You know, if somebody wants to sell you the value of a diet, let them say, well, let me see, how's it working for you? How's it working for you? Is it, is it doing something for you? Is it helping you? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's doing this. And you go home, home and you find out they aren't even following it. Must not have that much value. What the value in it is if you bought it from them. They want to compel you to do something that has no value to it, but they want to make it seem like it's of necessity. You must do this thing. If you don't do this thing, you won't make it to heaven. For this case, it was circumcision. In the modern day, we have a whole lot of things that people want to try and, and say and, and do. There's a, there's a thing in the church that we as a church, we need to accept alternate lifestyles. It's necessary that we accept alternate life or the church is going to die. The church is not going to have new people coming in. Well, alternate lifestyles were around during Jesus' day. And he didn't seem to necessitate accepting that. He loved them, tried to help them. But don't, don't, don't buy into that. There are people out there who want to try and sell you on the thing that you have to, to necessitate worldliness into the church. You've got to do this thing. No, don't, don't take it. I didn't make this note for you. I think it's in your outline. But Weiss puts this, uh, this verse, to make a good outward appearance. He talks about a good showing in the flesh. To make, he puts it as to make a good outward appearance. That's what it is. It's an outward appearance. God's not about the outward. He's about the inward. So if the idea here is to make a good outward appearance, what would be the contrast? If Paul is saying, these would compel you to be circumcised, or as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh... The opposite would be good showing in the spirit. That something would change on the inside, not on the outside. But see, the world wants us to change on the outside. Because if we change on the outside, they can brag about our outward changes. But God says, no, I want the inward to be changed. If you change the inward, the outward will change. We've seen that in many other passages, many other places. So as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they would compel you. They would make it of necessity 
that you'd be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Now, that sounds a little bit funny there as to exactly what he, he means. I got a different translation going to read here for you on this. And uh, this comes from the message. Verses 12 and 13. You can watch it in the, the New King James, and I'll read it to you here in the message. Now, in these last sentences, I want to emphasize in the bold scrawls of my personal handwriting the immense importance of what I have written to you. These people who are attempting to force the ways of circumcision on you have only one motive. They want an easy way to look good for before others, lacking the courage to live by a faith that shares Christ's sufferings and death. All their talk about the law is gas. All their talk about the law is gas. Now, he goes on, but I haven't hit that, that part of the verse there yet. I put this in your outline for you. God is not out for you to just be. They want you to be circumcised. They want you to be a certain way. God is not out for you to just be. He wants you to become, which involves growth. The Word of God is always about us becoming. It's a growth process. But the flesh wants to be. It wants instant. No, we'll just put this on top of you. We'll cover that up. We'll make you look good. That's what they want to do. Because if you look good, hey, people will say, hey, let's get in on that, that program there. If you, if you go out there and you find any workout program, how many people are in the workout program that are overweight? How many people are in the workout program that are not, don't have muscles that are defined? And, of course, most of them are in skimpy outfits and showing off all the, all the things that this work. You don't, you don't find them in the workout program selling the thing unless they, they look eye-appealing. got guys with huge muscles and, and, you know, all the ab things they want to sell. You, you show the guys and they got the six-pack going on. And they don't tell you that how many other things they did beside that little deal that they're trying to sell you. They just want to think you, make you think that you can get that way just by having this in 15 minutes three times a week. <laughs> if you believe that's done in 15 minutes and three times a week, mm-hmm, we got some uh, oceanfront property over in Arizona you might be interested in. Verse 13, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So they sell you on the benefits of, of circumcision, or sell you in the benefits of keeping the law and circumcision, but they themselves don't even keep the law. Don't even keep it. They pick and choose what types of things that they want to keep. You cannot pick and choose what parts of the law you want to obey. You must obey it all or not. That's it. That's not only in, in this area, it comes in, in the world today. You don't get to pick and choose which laws. Well, I like this law, but I'm not a real big fan about this one, so I'm not going to keep this one. You don't get to do that. The law is the law. You're supposed to obey it. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. The message puts it this way. They themselves don't keep the law, and they are highly selective in the laws they do observe. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast of their success in, in uh, recruiting you to their side. That is contemptible. They just want to boast about you. Hey, look, we got this one to come on over. We got this one to do it this way. And that's, that's all that they, uh, that they want to do. I don't know if you remember this, but way back in the uh, couple presidents ago, the first Bush who was elected, 
he uh, made a campaign promise, no new taxes. And then, in, but he had a Congress who was uh, not of his party. It was controlled by the, the Democrats. And he was Republican. And so uh, they were having battles over some issues. And so finally they came to a compromise. And he said, all right, I will go ahead and give the new tax that you want if you will do this that I want. And so they went ahead and they did that. And he signed the, the tax for that. But I'm pretty sure that the Congress said, no, we're not going to do the, part, the other part. They got the tax. And then they crucified him for the tax. But it wasn't his tax. It was theirs. But he got the blame for it. See, they, all they want to do is they want to pull you over to their side. And then once you do, then they, they point fingers. That's what they did with, with that one. I don't know how well you were well-versed in all that. I was appalled. I, I, first off, I knew he shouldn't have gone over and done it. Uh, you don't do that. You don't, you don't compromise with folks like that. But he did. And he uh, paid a dear price for it, too. You just can't, uh, can't do those things. But the people who actually put the tax in, who put, never, never paid a single price. But it was their idea. This is the same thing here. People are going to try and pull you over to their side. And then they're going to point fingers. You have a lot of people in the world that try and do this to church people. They know, oh, that's a, that's a church person. They go to church all the time. And they're going to try and pull you into sin. Oh, it's okay if you do this. You know, my, my uh, uncle, he's a pastor. And he comes to me and does this all the time. <laughs> oh, this is not really against. I know, I know what verse you're talking about, but it's not really against the word of God. You can do that now. And they'll pull you on over. And once they get you there, once they get you to compromise, <laughs> then they, but you did it before. How can you point fingers at me for doing You did that. Yeah, well, you told me, I don't care what I told you. They're going to point the finger at you for that, that point. You did it. You did it. Don't, don't go that way. Don't be compromised. This is what Paul's saying. Don't be brought in. All they want is a boasting point. And they'll be like you, you're your best friends. Have God as your If God is your only best friend, glory to God. Don't worry about these other people. There are a lot of fickle people out there, but they will come across as very sincere. Even some people in the church who will try to get you to compromise the principles of the, of the Bible. He's saying, that's what the Galatians are facing. They're not facing worldly people. They're facing church people. People that are coming in the name of the Bible. People that are Jews. People that are coming in the name of, well, this is what God really wants you to do. They're not coming in the name of Satan. They're not coming and teaching false, false doctrine that as far as, they're, they're trying to say, no, this is what the Bible teaches. You've got to know your word. Because there are people out there, they were in Paul's day, they were in our day. There are Christian pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, whatever you, title they put on themselves, who get on the TV, who get on the radio, who get on the podcast, who get behind the pulpit and teach things that are not in the Word of God. And you need to be on defense against it. Just because they have a title, just because they have a position, does not mean they're in God. How do you know? Judge it by the Word. How does what they teach compare to what the Word says? Same guidelines we have always taught, taught you folks, and you folks have done a wonderful job in and hanging on to this, whatever is in the Word that's important is taught clearly, it's taught often, and there is an example, at least one, of someone doing it. It's taught clearly, often, and exemplified. If it's not taught clearly, if it's something they got to pull out of it for you, really that says that? If it's not taught often, 
And if it's not exemplified, you probably had the wrong meaning. Or it's just not that important for, for us to follow on a daily basis. And there are some doctrines that are that way. You know, they're, just, they're, they're good things to know, but it's not something you're going to live your life by. Verse 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no boasting. There is nothing that we can boast about. Nothing. Whatever we've done, whatever it is that we, whatever we have done, we've done, if it was spiritual, it's done by the strength of God. If it was in the flesh, well, there's no boasting about it anyway. (laughs) That's what Paul's saying. Nothing that you have done is worthy of boasting. Nothing. So he says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, there are ways that uh, the Christians try and share in the the glory of God. I just put a couple of them down in here. Uh, You'll find this especially in people's testimonies. Especially when people testify of what God has done. Here's it. How much I have endured. How many times have you ever heard somebody get up in a testimony and out of the five-minute testimony, four minutes was about what they endured? Well, you don't know how, how rough it was. I was in a whole lot of pain. And I didn't think I would make it. It was really tough going. And we just talk about for a while all the stuff that I endured. What are we doing? We're sharing the glory. All right, God gets glory for this. I mean, God brought me out of this thing. But let me tell you what. I had a pretty important role. I, I did a pretty good thing here. I mean, I endured. That's one thing. I look at all that I endured. How many times have you heard people's testimony talk about how much they endured? How can we talk about endurance when we have Jesus? I mean, how much did he endure on the cross? More than anyone. How much did he endure for us when he went to hell? More than anyone. I, we got nothing. Jesus come on down there and said, All right, I got beaten so that no one could tell I was a man. I got hung on a cross. All the different things that were done there. I mean, it was horrible. You don't need to go through the whole crucifixion now, but it was pretty tough. And then, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Paying for our sins. How much I endured. How long I waited. How how about this one? I waited years for God to come through in this. And finally, last week, He did. Right? What are we doing? We're sharing the glory. God finally came through, but look how, look how patient I was. Look how long I waited. Oh, boy, I tell you, God is lucky to have me on His team. Not many people would have waited that long, but I waited and God came through. What I was able to see, well, I was able to see through all the darkness, through all the tough times, I was able to see just that little glimmer of light just up ahead. I just kept pressing on. I kept pressing on. I was able to see in the Word of God these things. I was, we're talking about what, we're, what revelation we have. No. What we saw, God gave us the ability to see. So he gets credit for that too. How about what I gave up? How many times have you heard people give testimonies? Well, I gave up my job. I gave up my business. I gave up my house. I gave up my dog. I gave up my cat. I gave up... I gave up all my friends. I gave all this stuff up for God. And He's blessed me. And then they sit down. 
Who got the glory in it? Yeah, but what I resisted. Well, the devil came after me. He came after me in the morning. He came after me in the afternoon. He came after me. He waked me up in the night and talked to me. But I resisted. I didn't give in. Oh, he was trying to get me to doubt my But I wasn't going to doubt God. No, no, sir. I stayed faithful. I stayed believing. I kept on going. Oh, it looked dark. I got all these horrible, horrible reports. But no, I didn't doubt. I stayed true to my God. I stayed true to His Word. We keep talking about all the stuff that we resisted. And then finally in the end, God came through. But who do we testify about? See, we're, we're trying to share the glory. Do not share the glory. God, God doesn't share glory. He doesn't. He does not like it. It's, it's mine. He says that glory belongs to Him. Give it to Him. Don't get it in the way. If you do that, God will make sure you get taken care of. But we Christians, we try and do it. How about the faith that I exercised? How about the word that I learned? Well, I studied in the. The word for years and years and breaking down the Greek and getting off. And I finally understood the principles I needed and and God was able to come through. Don't share the glory. It's His. We got to be careful. That can sneak up on us. How many of you can think of times that snuck up on you? And yeah, I've been, I'm I'm sharing, I'm trying to share the glory with you, God. I I shouldn't be doing that. Forgive me for that one. Thank God He doesn't just strike us dead when we do it. (laughs) For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. The things of the flesh, the things that are the appearance, the things that people can see, avails nothing. Nothing. You know, if you, you know, people can hear the words of your mouth. If you used to cuss, and now you don't cuss anymore, and they say, hey, I see you cleaned up your language. I see you're not cussing anymore. And you may say, yep, yep, did that for God. Gave that up for God. But then you go home and when no one else is around, that's when they start coming out. Mm. But see, you haven't cleaned anything up yet. But you're, you're putting on the appearance. You put on that appearance. You make it look like we're doing, we're doing good here. We want that outward appearance. And that's, that's really what I was, uh, you know, being on a, uh, on a few different running things, I get to see some of these funny running things they put up on Facebook. You probably don't get to see them. I didn't put this one back up, but it was funny. There was a, you know the guy who does the beer commercials? I don't always drink beer, but when I do, whatever, what's the name? Yeah, okay. Well, they put his picture up there, and they said, I don't always run with perfect form, but when I do, I'm usually passing the ladies. <laughs> see, what, what, what that is is I'm putting on a show. I'm putting on a show. This isn't how I actually do the thing. But when people are watching or people I want to impress are watching, oh, I'm suddenly going to do it all right. It's all for show. And somehow we think, I mean, guys think that girls are impressed because they ran by and they look really good when they, come on. But we, we think that. And so we, we try and hold this thing up. You know, that This is what we need to do. You're not going to impress anybody with that. You're not going to impress God with this. You're not going to impress other believers. But you see, all of a sudden, people are watching, and I need to be spiritual. You know, at home, I can hardly figure out what to pray for. But when people are around, oh, I can whip up a real good one. And I can, you know, get the accent going. God with two syllables and all that sort of stuff. We're putting on a show. I want, we want people to say, well, what good is that? It's, it's, 
It's, it's not from the heart. It's not something on the inside. It doesn't benefit you. We can't just be out for show. This is what Paul's saying. You cannot be out there for show. It's got to be something on the inside. If it's not genuine, if it's not coming up on the inside of you to produce an outward effect, it's useless. Circumcision, uncircumcision, all that stuff, it avails nothing. It does not help. Only a new creation, he says. I got this one from the New Living Translation. He says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. It doesn't matter if we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Have we allowed the word of God to come into us, the presence of God, the spirit of God, to come on the inside and create something new? That's what he says. That's the valuable, valuable thing. Not the circumcision or the uncircumcision. But there's a lot of people in Paul's day, a lot of people in our day, and a lot of people in the days in between who are constantly trying to get you to do things that outwardly looks like you have changed so that their system will be accepted by others. And they'll prop you up because they say, look, here's one, here's a student, here's a disciple of this way, and look at what they did. Look at how they brought this about. You'll see this sometimes in some meetings. People will have... Uh, especially during offerings. I usually would, if, if I, I can't remember the last time I was in one of these things, but if I get in them anymore, I've gotten bolder with this, I'll just walk out. There's no reason to be, be around there. But you know, they'll start bringing people up. I want to bring up some of our partners and uh, let them testify. And they'll bring you up, you know, well, I was on poverty's door and, well, I uh, came out to one of these meetings and they gave me this challenge and I accepted the challenge and when I, just, I just gave $10 into the offering. But, oh, God came through and God did all these, these things. There is no, I've heard it said before, there is no one in the Word of God, there is no verse in the Scripture that says anyone has an anoint, a, a special anointing that if you give offerings into their ministry, something special will happen. It's not in the Word of God. It's just not there. But people will sell it all the time. And they'll bring people up and, and uh, let them give testimony about stuff. Is it in the Word? See, we're going for the outward. We're going for the... Look at how this person's life has changed. They did it on... There was one guy who would come on the radio all the time. Oh, I tell you what. He would come on right after one of my favorite, favorite guys was on. The station is no longer on the, on the airwaves anymore, but they had them stacked up. And this guy, he would come on right after one of my favorites. So I'd be listening to one of my favorites. And if I couldn't... If I wasn't by the radio, he would come on. I couldn't even stand his voice. He would do this for a 15-minute radio program. Ten minutes of it was him prophesying people about offerings. Ten minutes of 15 minutes was about that, and the rest of it was useless. It just didn't have any... I don't know how this guy stayed on the air, but he did. He stayed on every time. He, he'd still be... He probably is still on the air now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't go try and find him. But people will, will be susceptible to this because they are persuaded by what is external. You need to be persuaded by what is internal. What is internal is far more important than what is external. It goes on. 
And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. So this rule, I've summarized it here. Don't replace internal change for external show. Don't replace internal change for external show. If you walk by that rule, peace and mercy will be upon you. Don't exchange the seen for the unseen. Don't do it. Stay on it. God, you need to make this change down on the inside. If you don't have it quite changed yet, don't feel like you've got to you know, put lipstick on it or Band-Aid on it or something. Cover it all up. It, it's, it's not about Christianity. It's not about covering up our imperfections. So you need to be more accepting of other Christians who have imperfections. And stop making them feel pressure to have to change them. Because otherwise, if we do, if we pressure other people, why are you doing it? Why are you saying it? Why are you talking like that? All we're trying to do is change their external. We want to change their internal. I've heard people, you know, sometimes uh, some people will say this and, you know, they know I'm a pastor and all of a sudden they'll say some profanity. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking about where I was. I'm thinking... It don't matter to me. Why are you apologizing to me? Uh, Brother Keith was uh, was one. He was in an elevator and somebody let go of one. And they just uh, let, a, let a curse word come out. And uh, he was real embarrassed. And Brother Keith said, let me tell you what. I love his answer to it. He says, no one is in hell because they cussed. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's no one in hell. Now, there's some people who, well, they need to stop cussing. So we're going to make them think that. No, that's wrong. The external is not what's important. It's the internal. Change the internal, the external will change. You've got to change that internal. Our focus needs to be the same as God's. We've got to focus on the internal. We've got to focus on getting the word on the inside of the people. Getting them to change. If you can get the word on the inside of them, the drinking will get in line with the word of God. The smoking, the whatever other bad habit that we look at as a, 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 in the church, well, they shouldn't do that. Smoking won't send you to hell. Maybe if they're right, it might kill you faster and you'll get one place or the other sooner. But that's about the only effect that it's, it's going to have. You, you don't go to hell because, well, you sorry, you had everything right but you smoked, so you're out of here. That's not going to happen. That's not the issue. But we've got to make sure that we also don't present the external as being more important than the internal. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He says... I don't want to mess with this issue anymore. I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. If anyone wants to take that on, I've got the marks in my body. Where they got? They have not been beaten for it. They have not been imprisoned for it. They have not been stoned for it. They have not been shipwrecked for it. They have not been... I got the marks in my body. You want to see some marks? Come on over. I'll show you some marks. He says, so if anyone wants to take this thing on, don't bother me with it. He did in his letter. But he says, I don't want to bother with this anymore. And as far as we know, he never bothered with the Galatians again about it. They, if, you, if you all want to, then you go for it. You find the marks that are in their body. They haven't, uh, they haven't suffered like this. And that's what they wanted to do. They don't want to suffer. Most people, there's a lot of Christians, that's what he had said earlier in that one translation. They, they don't want to suffer. On the, they don't want to suffer the persecution that comes when you stand up for the cross of Jesus Christ. So they'd rather say, no, be circumcised or, or come along to the, to the law. Because there's no persecution for that. But Paul stood up and said, no, it's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's all. This other stuff doesn't matter. And so even today, you have, uh, there was somebody who put up something on, on uh, oh, your brother put it up on Facebook. 
about uh, the, uh, the young man. I don't even know where he was from. They, they started in the middle of the interview, and, and they went on. As soon as he talked about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for his sins, that was all this important, bloop, he's gone on CNN. Well, of course, at CNN, that's the most disgusting, one of the most. MSNBC, I still think, holds the, uh, the, uh, the worst of the worst. But CNN is right there. I mean, they are. <laughs> but hardly anybody watches them. I think there's five people in the country who watch them right now. But they cut it off as soon as they got to that. Now, if you're not talking about that kind of a change from the cross, you're fine. But when you start talking about Jesus dying on the cross, well, they're, they're gonna, there's going to be persecution that will come for it. And Paul says they want to avoid that persecution that comes for preaching to Jesus and the cross. He says, I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to get you into the external to avoid that. That's what they do. No, we've got to stand up. We've got to be ready. Persecution is going to come because we're going to stand up for the cross of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about a changed life. We're going to talk about one way to get to heaven. One way. That will bring you some persecution. So I put here at the end. Well, we didn't reverse 18. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit. Amen. It's good when the grace of God is with us. Don't settle for replacements. Remember when the NFL had the replacements come in? Yeah. <laughs> Players went on strike and they brought in all the replacements and no one wanted to watch the football because it wasn't all that good. I remember that because it was a Buddy Ryan era here in Philadelphia and he did not like the replacement stuff. But don't settle for replacements. Settle for what God had, uh, had given you. Grace for law. People want to take grace and want to replace it with law. Don't do it. Keep, hang on to the grace. Spirit for flesh. They want to come in and they want to replace the spirit of God. The spirit working in you for flesh. Quit having God work in your spirit. Now nah, we're just working the flesh. Flesh for works. I wrote that one in there wrong. Yep. I put the, put the. I think I actually just got it got changed back from the, from what it was. But uh, it's supposed to be faith. I put it in there. Faith for works. We want to substitute faith. Having faith in God for works, instead of just believing God, I need to do something. That makes more sense. Yeah, I'm looking at. This. That's not what I wrote, but it is. It's in there. But faith for works, they want to replace. And I mean, this is going on today. We constantly are fight, fighting the battle to replace faith in the lives of believers for works. There's the last one. Internal for external. God wants to do something on the internal. People want you to replace that and just have something external. That's not going to help us out. So in the end, this is what Galatians is about. Don't settle for replacements. That's what they had done. They had settled for a gospel that wasn't even the same. He says, don't settle for it. Hang on to what's, what's right. One of the sterner, stronger messages that Paul wrote to any of his churches, he was tough on them. But the way they were going was the wrong direction. We've got to make sure that we don't go that direction ourselves. And just know, they, they were taught well, they were taught under Paul. And they still were able to, to slip, slip by and get out there. We've got to make sure we stand on guard. Stand on guard for the word of God that's in you. Keep going the way that the word tells us to go. Father, we thank you for your word that is strong in us. And it will continue to get stronger. We will not settle for substitutes. 
we will take only the real thing. And what you have given us, the world wants to substitute for something else. Something that doesn't have the power of God, but has the appearance of godliness to the world anyway. But Father, we thank you that we know better. And we will hang on to what it is that you have given us. With everything that we have. Just like Paul, we won't let it go. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.